1: Hello everyone and welcome back to roto Overtime on roto Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel. And Sean, today on the show we are going to talk, we've got a lot of different topics and over the last uh, three or four weeks asking listener questions and different things obviously around 0RB come in, very popular question to come in for you specifically. But today we are going to continue that series and we're going to talk about some common mistakes and misunderstandings around zero running back and uh you know maybe some of the little mistakes maybe even for people listening to the show that they might not be fully implementing into their draft strategy as they draft here in 2022 so this one should be a a really fun show and i'm looking forward to uh, jumping into this one how are you today
2: good and i appreciate all the work that you've been doing on the zero rb series and the success that we had with the earlier show on youtube was a lot of fun and i think that that owes to the work that you've been doing with that we mentioned hitting the 1000 subscribers in our previous episode that was obviously very exciting but yeah column today we're going to get into some zero rb mistakes and this obviously a crucial topic we do know that occasionally people will pass along zero rb builds where there's a problem or two that are probably going to keep that drafter from maximizing the benefits really having this team that can go out and sort of blow away that league and so we want to go through it today and you know this will be about misconceptions it will be about mistakes but obviously it'll also be about you know just how we can maximize that build and that i think is the question that everybody has
1: yeah and for our listeners we're probably familiar with the overall structure and the idea behind it sometimes you know we'll see on on twitter i'll get them or we'll we'll get questions and around you know the overall build and the start of that and that we really can see some of those misconceptions kicking off so jumping into those misconceptions one of them obviously is the build itself and what truly is a a zero rv build the misunderstanding of the actual structure and the strategy itself and maybe having a running back after two rounds or three rounds or having two running backs after five rounds for example what should people be doing what is that most common misunderstanding in terms of the zero rb strategy itself
2: right from the beginning we want to be looking at building a lot of wide receivers in and one of the reasons that people do object to the name sometimes is that they think of it more in terms of kind of building in reverse a little bit flipping the order that we start with instead of running back running back wide receiver wide receiver thinking in terms of it more wide receiver wide receiver running back running back you can obviously start that way but the very clear thing that's immediately going to happen is that you're going to be drafting running backs in the dead zone you're not going to have the wide receiver firepower you need to win the race to fill the flex you're not going to be dominating those most important positions and you're going to be drafting running backs in a range where they just don't score many points and so right from the beginning if you're just flipping running back and wide receiver in terms of your early build that's going to put you behind it's not going to accomplish the objectives we have it's not going to be zero running back. So from that perspective, the first thing we want to do is just make sure we're drafting enough total wide receivers, right? So we're going to get out there. We're going to select at least four in an elite tight end. We know that those elite tight ends really supercharge all of the different builds. And that, I think, would be considered the weak version of zero RB. You start to draft some running backs after that and you know some commentators, some other I mean that's still not zero running back right I mean you've got running back still pretty early on in your draft all you've done is start with this wide receiver stretch to start and you know I have a little bit of sympathy with that position it's one of the reasons why we tend to look at the more hardcore zero RB or extreme zero RB as being a little bit more the, the pure zero RB or the exciting zero RB there one of the things that I was looking at, I was kind of preparing this show was the draft that I did with Blair Andrews a couple of years ago in the FFPC main event where we didn't select a running back in the first 10 rounds and the running backs that we did select ended up not hitting. And yet that team finished 31st overall. And that really, I think drives home the advantage that you get from all of these wide receivers and making sure you're dominating both the flex and the other starting lineup positions. So The first thing that we want to do, make sure we have enough wide receivers, make sure we're winning the race to fill the flex. We're going to dominate that flex position. The player that we put out there every week is going to outscore the opponent by a wide margin. And the concept that I always talk about or the objective, the goal that I always talk about with the wide receivers is that we want to end up with six of the top 15. And you think about, well, you know, how are we going to do that? you're gonna have to draft a lot of wide receivers right if you just start with three or just start with four and then switch to really loading up on running back not only do you not accomplish this idea of winning the race to fill the flex not only are you still drafting some running backs in rounds that running back production is very poor but you're also not going to have this overall wide receiver firepower that we can dominate not only the flex but dominate the bye weeks right if you have six of the top 15 When your guys go on by, you're still starting wide receivers who put up huge numbers of points. And that's an area where we can really kind of stretch our margin against the opponents in our league. The other element of that, it's not just going to take volume of wide receivers. It's going to take wide receivers with the right profile. So, Colin, one of the other mistakes that we talk about with zero running back is not being aggressive enough in going after stars. I think that sometimes when you're loading up on wide receiver and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I don't necessarily need to try and hit these breakout receivers just because I already have so many of them. I took a wide receiver in the first round, took a wide receiver in the second round. How much upside do I really need? How much do I really need to devote to this position? And that is going to not only leave you short, but it's going to provide opportunities to your league mates, right? So if you're in the round six, round seven, round eight, and there is a second-year potential breakout candidate who has good metrics, maybe he was a good prospect, he had a solid rookie season, maybe the touchdowns weren't there, or the target volume was too much, or the quarterback play was a little bit iffy, and so you're still getting that good price on the player in rounds six through nine. You have to vacuum those wide receivers up. You cannot leave them to your opponents simply because you got a jamar chase in the first round and a debo samuel in the second round and you're thinking okay i've got some wide receivers in my build
1: yeah one of the things that you mentioned there was the bye weeks and i think a a problem with a lot of the people misunderstanding it is some of the comments that come in even on the youtube channel or on twitter is you know why are you drafting those wide receivers when you can't start them every single week but once you get through week four week five and the bye weeks kick in automatically you're missing some of them on a weekly basis then if there's any injuries or some of them maybe don't stay true to form then you have those other options and I think people draft with the intention of what they're going to do on week one when what we really need to do is you touched as well there on having the you know six of the top 15 wide receivers come week seven come week eight come the end of the season rather than how does this roster look on week one and I think that's why people get worried about what apps are going to say or you know how their draft is going to be rated after the draft rather than how their draft is going to look at the end of the season and i think that's the most important thing is that it's improving as the season goes on it's getting stronger as the season goes on and you mentioned their, you know the overall profiles i think it's so important to do that people will listen to me draft new draft and it'll be a lot more younger players than aging veteran players who their ceiling has probably already been hit and you know going for the safe options and i think that's another key point that you made when we're looking then at running backs and drafting too early, maybe is an extreme way, isn't it? But when we're doing zero RB builds, we're probably waiting until after the sixth round. But you touched there on maybe going in and getting running backs at that little point too early. And that's exactly where you don't want to be getting those running backs. You want to be going and getting those wide receivers because we're in the dead zone. If you've gone through those first five rounds with wide receivers, maybe a elite tight end in there, at that point then, You're in the running back dead zone. You want to be staying away from a lot of those running backs and keep going with the wide receiver position. That is something that I think that a lot of people miss out on again, thinking I don't need seven wide receivers at this point in my draft.
2: And you mentioned a couple of great points there. One is the injury element. We know that one of the reasons that zero RB works is because running backs get hurt. That opens up the door for other backs to come in and take very full workloads. In some cases, not necessarily ahead of a superstar, but in some cases you'll actually have the backup, will get a better workload than the starter simply because the starter is no longer in the equation. And when before you had a couple of players sort of sharing work or the backup siphoning some touches in some of these depth charts, the third string back will not be in a position to siphon that same amount of touches from the second stringer when he gets in there also obviously the injury rate for the top running backs makes them a little bit riskier but that doesn't mean that wide receiver injuries don't happen. I think that sometimes people will look at this and say, yeah, I mean there's a difference between running back injuries and wide receiver injuries, but it's not to the point where one happens to every player and the other one doesn't happen at all, right? So how much of a benefit are you really getting? And the point of it that I think is a good one there is that wide receivers do also get hurt. And so if you want to dominate with wide receivers, you need to have enough of them that you can resist one of those injuries and one of the things that will happen occasionally, too, is that you'll draft so well between round six and nine that you'll occasionally have these questions at midseason or after the bye weeks are over of, do I start my wide receiver that I drafted in round two? Do I start my wide receiver that I drafted in round three? Because all of my breakouts have made the team so strong. And when you think about that a little bit, you're like, well, If I was going to draft that well, then why didn't I just take the running back there and have an extra running back into the build as well? And the problem is we just don't know the future at that point. We're trying to build in all of this wide receiver firepower. We knew the future. We could always just pick the running back who's going to hit and these wide receivers late and we'd be fine. The point is you don't know which pick is going to be the pick that wins the league for you. But when you put them all together, then you have this build that's really, really strong. The other part that you mentioned that I thought was kind of interesting and I think has always sort of pushed drafters away from zero RB is the element of and the presence of these rate my team types of tools. And, you know, that's not to say that the tools are bad. I mean, they can be very helpful. They can give you insights into different dynamics within the league, within your own individual build. You know, sometimes they can tell you if you reach too often. And reaching isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you want to draft the most value from your own board as long as your own board isn't just completely and totally silly. Now, if you can create an intersection between your board and where ADP and players are going to come off to where you're taking people a little bit ahead or a little bit behind where they're going to go as opposed to consistently being around ahead, then you could probably maximize some value that way. But so there's some value to these tools. But at the same time, when you look at it and it's told you you're not going to score running back points or it's told you that your projected points are 11th or 12th in the league, you're going to look at that and think, well, maybe I should do something different when I draft the next time. And that's been the beauty of these roster construction explorers that Mike Beers built for Rotoviz, and then Anthony Shook has added on for underdog for us this season is that They actually give you a different and a more accurate view of what you want to do structurally. And one of the things that you will come out and see is that in so many of these situations, exactly these concepts that we've always talked about are effective. And you want to draft zero RB. You want to win the race to fill the flex. You want to not draft in the dead zone. All of those conclusions are so clear, and it's great to have those tools at your disposal because they will allay some of the fears that you might have about taking a more extreme approach
1: yeah no that's very well said the other thing that you mentioned there was about the future and not knowing what happens in the future so that's why obviously we're loading up on wide receivers i think something that for drafting with you i have really learned is like you know we don't know exactly what is going to happen so we admit that we don't know whereas i think some people when they're drafting from the heavier running back approach they believe that they know what's going to happen and it's very easy at the end of the season to say this worked or that worked but you know when we're in the process here like you mentioned with the roster construction explorer we have the data behind that and then we're implementing them the following seasons but the other part that you mentioned is the targeting of the right profile of wide receivers i think one of the problems with people drafting zero running back is when they do draft those running backs then they are drafting the wrong profile of running back they're drafting what might seem like the safe veteran running back and we don't want to give too much you know bad juju to to Mike Davis but Mike Davis was the prototypical dead zone running back in 2021 and you know the dead zone I think is something that's gaining more popularity and notoriety as we move forward through these years and we are going to talk a little bit more about it on today so we're actually going to have a full show dedicated to it coming up in the very near future but how do you think that part is misconceived for the players that are actually drafted to be your running backs are the players who the upside just isn't there to give you that kind of explosive upside on your on your roster.
2: And as you mentioned, that part of it can be difficult because there will be depth charts where the volume just seems so evident. And it's really hard to imagine these scenarios where the player isn't heavily involved. And at a certain point, if you have enough Overall touches, some of those touches are going to be high-value touches. The player has to perform so poorly to not score points that you kind of get pulled in to the player at that spot. And Ben and I have done a lot of fun shows on Ceiling Bananas about the importance of talent and the importance of selecting players who have the upside to really take advantage of the touches that they get. And the fact that the more talented players are going to create more touches as the season goes along, but within this context where we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. So this goes back to this element of humility-based drafting, definitely scenario-based drafting, where we're looking at profiles that have historically done well, and one of the fun things about it is that it's an exciting way to draft, right? It's not a difficult, boring... Kind of gross way where when you get done with the draft and you're like, well, I drafted zero running back, but I took you know Mike Davis and these three or four other backs who I'm just not excited about. And so you come out of your draft and it wasn't fun, and and you want to go back to taking a couple of anchor guys because then you can look at your team and be like, you know, I've got let me say Jonathan Taylor, we're drafting him when we get the chance. But you know, I've got Joe Mixon, I've got Nick Chubb, I've got players who. I know we're going to score. I've got Najee Harris, who's going to have this insane workload. The way that you address that sort of emotionally and sort of from a fun perspective, and fantasy football should be fun, right? I mean, this is entertainment. Yeah, I mean, we want to go win these tournaments, but we want to have a really good time throughout. I mean, so much of what you're paying for when you join a league with your friends or a league with the FFPC, a league with Underdog, is the enjoyment of doing that draft. And when you get in there and do the puffy, for example, and you're paying the five bucks and you're drafting against these people that you don't know, I mean you get your $5 back immediately from the joy of going through and selecting those players, but it's gotta be joyful. It's gotta be fun. So how do you do that? Well, you're going to take players that you think have a lot of talent. And so in the first wave, and there will occasionally be situations, I think where you can draft a player in round five in round six in round seven, we again, we consider that to be a very sort of soft or weak version of zero RB. But if there is a player, who's falling into that range. You have four wide receivers. You're going to go back to wide receiver in the sixth or the seventh or the ninth. You're going to get your eight or nine wide receivers early, but you have a player there who looks like a breakout candidate, somebody who was good in college, somebody who's athletic, somebody who has a team that is going to deliver him to the goal line, at least on occasion. I mean, it doesn't have to be all the time. We don't want to be never right. That's the tricky thing with Ken Walker and the Seattle Seahawks very good profile a lot of speed probably will beat out rashad penny because penny can't stay healthy we're sort of gambling on some type of quarterback upgrade still occurring because we do want the seahawks to be down there you know in the red zone every once in a while during the season so you have these opportunities you can go ahead and take advantage of them but you also want to realize that they're not always going to pay off even if you have a situation where you do hit on the guy with extreme talent last year say with javante williams That's it's easy to forget because he was so popular at the very end last year and was definitely not in the zero RB range that there were times during the season, there were months where you could take him and it would still be a potential zero RB team. You hit on him. He's one of the best backs in the NFL. You go and you look at the advanced stat explorer, very clear that he's breaking all these tackles and he's a whirling dervish, he's powerful, he's fast. But it still didn't really work out from a fantasy perspective. And obviously it can work out even worse because not every player that has that type of profile will immediately be that good. You know, you can think of J.K. Dobbins from a couple of years ago where his advanced stats are also just absolutely crazy. Leading the NFL in yards before contact, leading the NFL in yards per carry having one of the top numbers in evasion rate and still not quite getting the touches that you need for that to really work out from a fantasy perspective. So you don't want to make this one bet and then think, okay, this bet is either going to make or break me. We have to have some other guys in there. So the next sort of wave that we look at will be in these committee types of situations. So many times when you have backs who are in a committee and they're going in that, Eighth to 12th range. And ideally, you're going to be targeting the guys in the 10th or the 11th round, but they need to be the one that you think is the most talented. So often, the second guy of the two will end up with a higher win rate because he's a little bit less expensive. So, your cost to get him in terms of what you're giving up, there's still going to be some players in that eight, nine, 10 range who are a key part of what you want to do. If you pass on them for the guy who's a little bit more expensive, sometimes that'll cost you what they'll need to accomplish is even greater you take that second back and what we really like to target are the second backs that we consider to be more talented and there may be reasons within the context of the team where they're expected to start the season and again you talk about week one so much of the drafting and so much of the adp is based on what will happen in week one there may be a reason that the team has the other back elevated that week one two three stretch but we think that the profile and the way the touches will break down you can go and look at the stealing signals tool and see how the high value touches have worked out for some of these players now it's not going to be predictive for every guy but we're looking for players who have again the talent profile to where as the season progresses we like them to emerge Get more touches, get more high-value touches, have sort of this receiving workload, have the athleticism to break some big plays so that you don't need quite as many touches. And then obviously, Colin, you have injuries in those situations. And if you're taking a talented player in a committee and the other guy gets hurt, then suddenly you've got a back who jumps from round 10, round 11, to where if you were redrafting at that point, the back would be a second-round pick
1: yeah no that's uh well said the other couple of pieces to dive into are the importance of the dead zone so we glanced over it a little bit but i do think that people feeling that little bit of a niche to jump back and get themselves a little bit of comfort i think it's very important to be comfortable in that discomfort and that was something that peter overset talked with you and ben he was on on stadium bananas a couple of months back and i think that's one of the hardest parts the the little bit of panic you did touch on it with panic but I think you have to be comfortable I think the more of these drafts you do the more comfortable you get sometimes the discomfort starts to go the other way where you feel like you're taking that running back far too early so it's a it's all about getting that balance but trying not to reach in particularly in that kind of six through I would say six seven eight usually I think then you get into the ninth tenth I think it's fine to start moving back towards it then some of the other parts though, Sean, is using it in the wrong format. Um, we get some questions in sometimes about you know, half-point PPR or you know zero PPR, I guess. There is some of those leagues still uh, working around, but um, versus the full PPR par- format, you mentioned the receiving back element of it. Um, where are some of the areas that you think that it may not work as successfully?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: As you say, we get questions about this from time to time, like, will zero RB work in my league? And one of the interesting ones, you look at Underdog, which has the half PPR, and it would be one where you're thinking okay well this isn't going to work as well but what you find is that because of the two three one format where you have to have more wide receivers and then you have this flex position and as you get deeper into these drafts and as you're trying to build the overall wide receiver firepower that you need to make sure you dominate the receiver position on occasion you're going to be building in the upside from those receivers to score in the flex as well so In leagues where you can end up with two running backs, four wide receivers, those are going to be very palatable for zero RB. When you get into formats that are, say, just the shallow starting lineup formats are going to be much more difficult. If you have two running back, two wide receiver, the tight end, that's going to be trickier if... You have situations where you are in standard. It's going to be trickier. And most of the questions where we have to say, no, probably don't use it in this would be an environment where the starting lineup requirements are completely balanced between the two positions. There's not a lot of depth and it is much more difficult at that point to make the case. We'll draft six wide receivers. And then you are in kind of that situation where, you know, where are you going to put them all if it's a two and two at that point, You have the running backs who have so much value early, these these Uber backs, the guys who can score so many points. I mean, you would really prefer to have them and then pick from this large pool of viable wide receiver candidates. So we want to make sure that we're using them in the right formats. And the thing that makes it easier is, as you mentioned, those formats are drying up, but they still do exist. And we do want to warn our sort of most fervent listeners and perhaps ourselves just to remember you know look not all drafts are going to be the same you have some fun formats out there where people have created these crazy scoring environments and are trying to neutralize the value of wide receivers and in some of those it won't make sense to go zero rb either because the running back position is just so much higher scoring we talked on the show a couple weeks ago when we were talking about sort of the origin of zero rb and how formats that kind of had to go out of their way to create incentives to draft wide receivers because the leagues were still running back heavy you know, now that this understanding of the power of wide receivers has become more prevalent throughout the industry you know you do see these formats where people are trying to to tap that down and i i'm very much in favor of that as well One of the things that we like is to have a lot of different formats and formats where you actually can draft running backs because we like running backs. You know, Zero RB is about having fun. It's about winning. It's about building these super lineups that can't be beaten. But you do want to occasionally have your candy, your soft drinks. You want to have these fun star running backs early. And there are formats out there that will work for that.
1: Yeah, contrary to popular belief, we do, in fact, draft running backs. That's another misconception, Sean, about the zero RB drafting technique is that uh, it doesn't mean that you have to draft zero running backs the whole entire draft. You're able to draft running backs throughout the draft. But uh, the final question, this is a bit of fun, but for long-time listeners, for long-time readers of Sean's work, they will know that his Twitter handle is still there, but it is not very active. It is at FF underscore contrarian. When the original piece came out in 2013, it was very much contrarian at the time. I still think it's contrarian based on some of the stuff we talked about today being misunderstood. And then uh, people then not implementing it or not using it because they maybe don't think that it will work in 2022 or maybe ever. But is it still contrarian in 2022?
2: We'll have to kind of keep that for a future episode as we look at some of these dynamics with the dead zone but obviously it's it's penetrating the consciousness and when you have you know some other i don't know the the word that we want to use but but prophets or proselytizers who are so dynamic and Obviously, you think of the ship chasing guys and and Pat and Pete. You think of Ben Gretsch, who does such fantastic work with stealing signals. You think about Denny Carter, for example, who gave me the great opportunity last year when he did sort of an interview slash question and answer article with me on Zero running back for the NBC Sports Edge site. There have been lots of other names and authors who have worked for Rodoviz in the past and are now sort of spreading the message elsewhere there are you know some some big time writers who haven't worked for Rodoviz but have always been very sympathetic and you know will put notes in their pieces from time to time i mean i think that we can get wrapped up every once in a while in the confrontation or the debate and lose track of the fact that number one, the debate is good. And then number two, that, I mean, there are so many really smart people on, on both sides of it, but I mean, I, I think people have their hearts in the right place. I think people are very, very good at fantasy football and, you know, one of the real joys over the last, I don't know, what would it be eight, nine years since the article came out in 2013 is just the number of incredibly smart people who either in a big way or a small way, you know, dropped some note in a piece or, you know, probably on Twitter, which as you mentioned, I've, I'm not on, but kind of contributed to the dialogue in a way that was very helpful for drafters. And I appreciate all of those. I appreciate the people who are on the opposite side. I think that they have lots of great points as well. And you ask, is it still contrarian? Some of the results and some of the ADPs would suggest that a lot of people are drafting in ways that might be considered soft, extreme, or modified zero RB, perhaps not as contrarian as it once was. And that's both good and bad, right? We don't necessarily want to lose some of these edges.
1: Yeah, it's all true, but it's also good to see it being uh, implemented by more and more people. And, uh, you know, it kind of, spreading out into the industry and into the fantasy football community as you mentioned but that was a lot a lot of fun to look back we're doing this little bit of a a thought process of back to the start of zero rb to the present of zero rb we're taking like a time machine through all these different ways to to try and make a little bit of fun of a, a little series here but Hopefully, everyone enjoyed listening into this today. Sean did mention during it, Underdog and FFPC, where we will be implementing these strategies. If you want to get involved over at Underdog, you can use the promo code RotoViz to get yourself a 100% sign up bonus up to $100. And we will be doing a lot more content on Underdog over the coming weeks and months. But we will also be drafting over at the FFPC. And of course, you can check out all their great leagues, all the different options available to you both in best ball and dynasty along with the road of his triflex leagues over there check them out at my ffpc.com but sean a f- really fun show today and uh you know as we get ready to close this out on the thursday edition of the podcast
2: anything left to share with the listeners on today's show get out there director zero rb teams we want to have zero rb champions in 2022 I think that's the perfect way to finish off today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter
1: at marlin My co host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out his work up on rotoviz.com as well as the Great Stealing Bananas podcast. Until we're back on Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on roto Radio. Please rate and review the roto Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at roto Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to roto with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?